Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host, and I'll be speaking with the spirits today. Last week, we explored predictions for 2024 and beyond. Very interesting show. I recommend you check it out in our Voice America archives. And I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. Today, we're going to explore the military events taking place today and in the future with three great military leaders from the past, Napoleon, George Patton, and Dwight Eisenhower. This will be one of our more informative shows and will be available in our Voice America archive or on our YouTube channel, which is in the name of Barry Strom. Now, each week, Connie and I try to bring you all the information available about the afterlife. But the words we speak are accurate and true, and I use my gift of spirit communication to talk to the spirits of human souls and angels, and I attempt to educate anybody that's willing to listen to the miracle of what we do. We currently have 550 videos on our YouTube channel covering all aspects of the paranormal life and life after death. Our interviews feature spirits from Greek philosophers to archangels. We believe our channel is the best source of information available concerning the afterlife. In addition, Barry's the author of 10 books covering information from aliens to the life of Jesus. How's that for variety? All his books are available on our website, www.barrystrom.com, or from Amazon. So let's take time for a short disclaimer tonight. We do not want anyone taking personal action concerning the information or predictions that we speak about. The opinions or statements voiced on our show or the channeled words of the spirits do not necessarily reflect our opinions, those of Voice America Network, or of our sponsors. Keep in mind that the spirits will never give information that will change a person's life plan. Okay, this morning we're going to begin by speaking with the famous military French General and Emperor Napoleon. Napoleon, thank you for joining us again this morning. Uh, You rose to prominence during the French Revolution that began in 1789 and as a general of successful campaigns during the Revolutionary Wars and as Emperor of France from 1804 until 1814. Would you please tell us about the military tactics used during that period? Yes, thank you for having me back. When I was in control of the armies, we used mass assault techniques. We did not at the time utilize much trench warfare. We would march our armies in lines. We would have certain units that would be on the front lines. We would have reinforcements to send in or when we broke the opponent's lines, or if they need parts of the battle needed reinforcement. Information was carried by couriers on horseback. There was no such thing as radio communication in our time, so we had to rely on couriers to carry messages. Quite often those messages did not arrive, and you would have problems. Artillery was starting to play a large role, We would have our artillery lined up, and we would attempt to soften up the enemy. 
the range of our guns was limited. I know that we will be discussing that in a little bit here, but we did truly rely upon artillery. It gave us a reach out seven, eight, nine hundred yards effectively. We would use it. We would try to soften up the enemy. If they charge us, we would change to cat to canister loads, which were round balls. Everything was different. Cavalry played a very, very important part in what we did. We would try to surprise the enemy by using our cavalry. We would try to keep them undercover or hidden so that we would be able to attack the flanks. If you could roll an army from the flank, it was what you were attempting to do. Very often it was hard to break the center of a line and it would cost us many men to do it. But cavalry was very effective. It was a way of rapidly moving your troops on the line. Now, sadly, we did not take measures that would conserve soldiers. Our techniques were simply to line up. Our enemies would line up their soldiers. And we would see who would win. Why didn't you employ tactics to, to preserve the lives of your soldiers? Warfare was, was evolving. Cannons, artillery, they were, they, they were advancing rapidly with their technologies. And it was simply the way we've always, the wars were always fought. We didn't have the tools for effective trench warfare at the time. Yes, we could have stood back in defense, but we were always trying to move on the offensive. When you move on the offensive, you don't have time to dig trenches and make defensive positions. You're simply trying to surprise and overrun your enemy and kill as many of them as possible. So it was just simply the way of fighting that had come through time. What do you think about modern artillery with rocket assists rounds and ranges of up to 50 miles? I think I am amazed. I cannot believe that today you are firing cannonball, you are firing loads over 50 miles from an artillery piece. In our day, 800 to 1,000 yards was about it. Now you're, you're firing guns 60 times that far, and you're doing it very effectively. In our day, we aimed the cannons, but the aim was basically trial and error. We would use a round ball, and that would roll along the ground often, breaking the legs of the horses of the cavalry or hitting soldiers, much like a bowling ball. Keep in mind, they were packed in a straight line, shoulder to shoulder. So the round ball was very effective for us. I know that in the future you'll be doing very amazing things with this, with the artillery that you use. It has absolutely no relationship 
to what we did in our time, except that it makes a loud noise. I know you use rockets as artillery. So much has changed through the years. The ability to kill has become astounding. Yeah, you fought wars with Russia where they had no regard for the lives of their soldiers. Today, they're fighting in Ukraine with similar meat grinder techniques. What's your opinion of the modern Russian tactics? The Russian tacticians are the most blockheaded ones in the world. They are very slow to modernize. They know that they have this incredibly large country that they can draw on for soldiers. Because of this, infantry troops are basically their strongest weapons. They have huge numbers of artillery, but they, their tactics are still 50 years behind. As long as Russia has the ability to conscript soldiers from all of their satellite countries, that will be the cheapest way for them to fight a war. They know that if they, they just simply keep throwing soldiers at the enemy, they'll either run out of bullets or that enemy will be worn down to a point that at some point the Russian army will overwhelm. They have many, many men killed so far in the short war in Ukraine. They have lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers, but they have ability through their conscription laws to replace all of those soldiers. And they simply throw them to the front line and try to wear down the Ukrainian army. Modern weapons are very effective towards massed ground troops. But the Russians, until the people respond to how many of their sons and husbands are being killed, until that takes place, they will continue that meat grinder tactics is the most effective way for and cheapest way for them to fight the war. How do you think the war will end between Ukraine and Russia? I think that at some point, the people will re understand the truth of what is taking place. Keep in mind that the Russian military does not give out information on their losses, and in many instances does not even warn the family when their loved one has been killed. But as time goes on, people are going to be very frustrated. They'll be losing their sons and daughters. There'll be very little progress made by Russia in Ukraine. And at some point, I believe that the people will rise up and that there will be a change in leadership. And there will be a huge effort by Russia to maintain the lines that they have captured in a peace agreement. The whole world should understand that Russia never honors any of its agreements. So, in my mind, I think that they should continue to fight. The Allies should contribute weapons and ammunition for the Ukrainians to use. And I think that the Russians simply have to be defeated and withdraw. 
until that lesson is learned, they will they will menace Europe. Okay, Russia has a huge supply of nuclear weapons. What do you think is the most effective way to assure that Russia does not use those nuclear weapons? A very strong understanding of nuclear deterrence. Russia has to have absolutely no doubt that the democracies of the world that are armed with nuclear weapons will use them quickly in response to any attempt by Russia. If I was in charge of the army and I had very good intelligence, if I saw that Russia was preparing to use nuclear weapons, now they threaten all the time, but mostly those are threats and lies. If I saw they were preparing, I would initiate a first strike to stop them from doing it. Sounds good. <laughs> What's your opinion of the Chinese military? The Chinese military is huge, and they've been pouring billions of dollars into equipment. Most of the equipment is based on technologies that were developed in the West. The Chinese military is basically untested. They have not been any, in any serious fighting wars, and their equipment has not been truly tested. Keep in mind that Ukraine is providing a great testing ground for the West. I think the fact that, mil that the Chinese military has not truly been tested in warfare leaves a great uncertainty. I don't think that they can live up to their expectations. China is threatening an attack on Taiwan. Do you believe they'll follow through with that threat? And how can they best be stopped? I think that they will bluster and threaten, and they will try to convince the people of Taiwan that they're in great danger. And by doing that, those people will vote to join China instead of fighting them. I don't think China is in any position right now to take full aggressive action in Taiwan. Do you see any way there can be peace in the Middle East? The only way to get acquire peace in the Middle East is to destroy the mullahs in Iran. They're basically behind much of what is going on, and these are all their, their militaries. To kill a snake, you have to cut off the head. <laughs> The Houthi army in Yemen is currently hampering trade in the Red Sea. How would you handle the Houthi terrorists? Very simply, I would put a full power strike upon them. I would destroy their facilities and their abilities to do what they're doing. We, the United States, has the, currently has the strongest military. They have support from other democracies. I would simply go in and destroy them. Do you see war with Iran inevitable? Yes. I see no way that Iran is not going to attempt to get nuclear weapons, and I can't imagine the world will allow them to do it. How would you stop Iran from getting the nuclear weapons? I would start by destroying their, several of their proxies so that they understand truly that the military might of the world will be against them. If they continue, I would try to use subverting methods of destroying it, perhaps 
put worms in their computer systems, but I would do everything that I felt was necessary to stop it. Napoleon, what advice would you give the generals of the United States military in preparing for the future? I would tell them the future is going to be very difficult and that the only way that it can be safe is if they have the strength of deterrence, but they have to show the world that they're ability, ability to use it. Today, the military postures and declares that they will use their strength, but they never take affirmative action. We're soon going to have alien disclosure. How will that affect the future of militaries? Greatly. The countries, the major countries, will try to use alien technologies to increase the power and abilities of their weapons. The majority of the democracies have got to join together and work with the aliens and use their technologies appropriately. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Do you have a final message for our listeners? I would like to thank everybody for allowing me to come back. I hope my opinions are relative to their thinking. When you're on this side, even though you fought with some of the most primitive weapons in the past, you have the ability to see to the future and to understand the present. So I hope that what I've been able to tell you today will be of some help. I thank you very much. and. I wish all of you a happy new year. Thank you. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue channeling with World War II General George Patton. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, 
www.barrystrom.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. Now we're going to speak with the famous World War II General, George Patton, who my dad fought under. General Patton, thank you so much for joining us again. You were a firm believer in tanks as the future of military warfare. Do you still believe that one on the matter on the ba- modern battlefield? Thank you, Connie and Barry, for allowing me to return. I always, always enjoy being with you. The role of tanks is changing rapidly in the modern battlefield. We are surprised over here at what, on how effective drones have been against the modern tank. The concept of armored vehicles moving rapidly on the battlefield has, in past wars, been the key to rapid advance. Today, modern mining techniques, the accuracy of artillery, and especially the use of drones has made it very destructive when tanks are used on the front of an advance. Today, I think that the most important role for tanks is going to be more as a use of artillery, of its main guns. The modern tank has incredible technologies. It has thermal imaging. It has unbelievable accuracies out to almost 10 miles. The modern tank is also extremely vulnerable because of its size. Modern drone technology has been able to track the accumulation of the, of tanks in, in advance. It knows the route that it has to take because of the careful mining that takes that goes. My drones now can carry weapons with very high explosives. So I think the, the, the role of the modern tank is absolutely changing. It has to be thought more of a piece of equipment that you use after a type of breakthrough. I think modern artillery is capable of doing much of the work that tanks did in the past. I do see a role for tanks in the future, but I do see it as diminishing. What do you see as the most important weapon of the future in ground warfare? I think the most important weapon is going to be the use of artillery. Artillery has gotten such incredible range now, incredible accuracy. A drone can report information back to the artillery, and that artillery can use that information to hit a moving target. It's unbelievable. In my time, the tanks were capable 
capable of doing that, but they did it through visual sights. They had to be relatively close. Today, artillery can stand off 10 miles and hit and hit uh, mobile equipment with no problem. I think the future of ground warfare is what I'm speaking of here, not aerial warfare. But I think the future of, of ground warfare lies with artillery and the different types of shells that they can fire. Sir, what is your opinion of the current military leadership in the United States Army? I think that it is misled. I think the Army has grown soft. I think that the Army is too much worried about equality of and person. And I can't imagine allowing transgenders in the military. I know people th think that I'm biased, but it cannot be helpful for morale. I think that the, they currently are putting women in positions where they should not be put. Some women are incredibly capable, but there are many that are not. I think the Army has to consider the most important thing they're doing as defending our country. If you're going to step on a few people's rights by doing that, then so be it. When people join the Army, they know that it is a world different from the public world. When they sign their contract, they should understand that. The military has one single role, and that is to protect the American people or the people of the nations of which they serve. All of the other liberal ideas concerning military members are just simply detracting from that goal. If you were alive today, what advice would you give the Pentagon in building the military of the future? I would tell them that the military of the future is going to be incredibly complex. I would tell them that they have to use artificial intelligence wisely. The weapons of the future are going to be incredibly technical. They're going to make many of the, mod of the current tactical method methodology outdated. The military that can adapt to future technologies the most rapidly will have the greatest de deterrence. The military needs to step up its internal security so that its ideas and technologies cannot be stolen by foreign countries. When the time comes, they have got to work aggressively with the extraterrestrial presence. The extraterrestrials are going to tell them that the only answer is peace, but it is only through strength that you will be able to gain that peace in the future. That is very true. Do you believe the United States Army is the strongest military in the world? Yes, absolutely. 
but it also spends far more than on their military than any other country. What will weaken the military is that it is trying to cover so much geography in the world. We have Pacific fleets, we have Atlantic fleets. Now we're taking equipment into the Middle East. We're trying to be the protectors of the world. When you stretch yourself too thin, you open yourself to vulnerabilities. How would you prepare the United States Army for the future? I would tell them that they need to truly understand that their role is that of defense. It's not the, the role of the Army should not be diluted. It has to prepare to fight and it has to prepare to kill. It has to be prepared to kill in the most effective way it can. And our military will be need to be used to show that we're not a paper tiger. There are plenty of opportunities where we're being attacked and we are not returning fire the way we should be. The military has to be aggressive. If it's going to be feared, it has to be used. If the leader of the country shows weakness, as we are doing today, then the type of actions that are coming against us will continue. The world has to understand that if you are going to be, have the strongest military, you will need to prove it. What steps would you take against Iran? I would inform them very clearly that if they got a nuclear weapon, that we would kill their leaders. It is only when the leaders have fear that, for their lives, that they will be effective. They will try to ignore that message, but they will understand it clearly. The government needs to go out and show that we are not afraid to take chances for world peace. What steps did you take against Russia? Against Russia, you have to defeat them. You can never, ever trust Russians. It was that way in World War II. It's that way through the Cold War. And it is certainly that way today. Russia thinks they're living... 20 years in the past, at least. They think that they can be aggressive, and they do not honestly fear the fact that NATO will, get, will become involved in the actions unless they are provoked beyond belief. NATO needs to give all of the weapons necessary for the Ukrainians to kick the ass of the Russians. You now have a situation where the Ukrainian army is taking on the largest military in the world. And the only thing that we have to do to beat Russia is to provide shells, ammunition, and weapons appropriate. We have pussyfooted around. We have not given Ukrainians what we need, what they need. It's taken all of this time to give them air air power that is still not up to date with the fifth gen stuff that Russia has. 
we need to supply the Ukraine with everything that they need to defeat Russia. Once the death tolls start to go over half a million of Russian soldiers, the people will take notice. Those are all families that are being affected for, for no reason except the attitude of Putin. Once the death tolls rise sufficiently, you will see things happen. After World War II, what was your opinion of the Russian army, and how do you think Russia should have been handled? I thought that we should take on the Russian army. We had all our equipment. We had our men there. And I didn't feel that the Russians were that effective in their fighting. They had relied on American equipment and help. We had done many things to weaken Germany. And I realized, I knew all along, that you could never trust a Russian. Their treaties, their words mean nothing. I knew Stalin was inherently evil. And I knew that communism was going to be a terrible thing for the people of Russia. So I felt that we should have taken them on while we had the strength and had all our equipment there to do it. What's your opinion of the United Nations? Worthless. The United Nations have become a platform for all of the terrorist countries of the world. We've allowed this to take place. The veto rules of the Security Council weaken the entirety. They have no, no sense of direction. They waste money. I cannot really, as I watch from over here, imagine how, that there's much good in their future. Do you see any hope for world peace in the near future? No. We are too weak at this point. Our leadership, our leadership shows too much weakness. Until we start to use our military, there is no hope for peace. How would you handle China today? I would inform them very clearly that if they attack Taiwan, that we will stop all purchases with them. I would tell them that we will weaken their economy to a point that they would, that communism will fail. I would tell them that there is really no future for China if a war breaks out. I would show them how many nuclear weapons are pointed at them, and I would say you best not start any major wars. Do you think there's any way China's military could defeat the United States military? It's a possibility if they do a first strike with nuclear weapons that they can temporarily destroy the United States. We could blanket their entire country with nuclear weapons. We have over a 1,000 weapons in our inventory. And we have to make it very clear to China that they all work and they're, as many of them are ne as necessary are pointed towards them. Okay, we're soon going to have alien disclosure. How will that affect the future of militaries? The militaries that adapt to extraterrestrial technologies will be the strongest military in the world. We've been working with them for many years. And many people don't understand that. When disclosure comes, you will see an arms race that you will not believe. And 
the United States has to be in the lead. Yes. Do you have a final message for us, sir? Well, I would first like to thank you for allowing me to come back. I always enjoy straight talk, and I always know that your questions are effective and allow me to say what I think. Of course, saying what I think got me in a lot of trouble after World War II, (laughs) but it's a lot safer when you're already over here. The United States has to understand that even though they spend more in the military than other, any other country. That there are people in the country that want to weaken our own military. They are doing things in the military that I could have never imagined when, when I was in it. They are trying to be socially correct. The Army is not an institution that needs to be socially correct. It needs to be an institution that knows how to go out and kill effectively. It knows how to protect the country. It knows how to follow orders. And it has the equipment to do what it needs to do. Currently, the leadership is weak. It needs The military needs to be protected from political influence. Until... Political influence is kept out of the military. We have great weakness. We may have visual strength, but we have internal weaknesses. I hope that the people of the country understand what the military needs to be, elects politicians that will follow that that creed, and will not allow America to become a second-rate country. So thank you for allowing me to speak. Should you ever ask me to return, I would be more than happy. Thank you so much, sir. I have no trouble seeing why my dad was admired you so much. Okay, another short break. Come back. We're going to continue to speak with the spirit of Dwight Eisenhower, commander of European operations in World War II and former president of the United States. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We are now going to channel with uh, President Dwight Eisenhower. President Eisenhower, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Uh, as president, you were involved in how the United States handled Russia through part of the Cold War. As you look back now that you're on the other side, should you have handled anything differently? As commander, I think we should have, during World War II in Europe, I think we should have not listened to what Stalin was demanding of us. I think we should have moved into Berlin. I think we should have taken it. And I think that we should have been more understanding of what Stalin was trying to to do. There were times that we supplied him, that we did what was necessary to allow him to win. I know hindsight is much better. Now that I went while I was president, I understood the dangers, and I think that we did all that we could. Nuclear deterrence was a big thing during my my term, and we enlarged our military, pursued many military many nuclear weapons as deterrents. And I think that we did as much as we possibly could. Yeah, during the war, Russia was an ally. Did you ever really trust Stalin? No, I never trusted Stalin. But President Roosevelt thought that he could trust him and work with him. I was simply a commander that took orders from the president. And Roosevelt would overrule many of my ideas, but he was in charge. Do you think we should have not helped Russia during World War II, and it might have been better to let Germany defeat them, and then we could have defeated Germany after Russia depleted their resources? In hindsight, I think that that is actually what should have taken place. If we had not supported Russia, Germany would have certainly beat them. It was only our equipment being used by the Russians that let them buy time in order that they could have Germany invade. Germany was very stupid. They came in and got defeated by the Russian winner like everyone before them did. I think that if we had not given Stalin the weapons that he required, that Germany's advance into Russia would have come much earlier, and I don't think, I think they could have prepared adequately for the winter. There's no way that you can fight in the winter time, but if you go in before and prepare and build defensive positions, 
I think the outlaw, out, the whole thing could have come down differently. So how should we handle Russia today with their huge stockpile of nuclear weapons? Well, first of all, we should never believe anything that they say. Today, we know that the leadership is totally corrupt. We know that they've stolen money from the government. They know, we also know that many of their weapons are not living up to their Russian expectations. We should give Ukraine everything that they ever require to defeat them on the battlefield. The humiliation of that defeat will certainly bring down the government of Russia. Russia thought they were fighting a three-day war. Through their propaganda, they have misled the people, and the people are believing what, they, what they're hearing. But there will be a point that if we supply all of the weapons that are required to the Ukrainians, that they will build a death toll that cannot be hidden from the Russian people. We should totally isolate Russia. We should destroy them economically. The only way that you will ever be able to treat, to work with Russia in the future is if you bring them to their knees. Should we have handled Mao differently? Yes. We should not have stayed out of the revolution in China. We should have given more help to the people that opposed communism and we should have given more immediate and more rapid support to Taiwan. What's your opinion of the modern Chinese military? It's huge. They're spending large amounts of money on it. They're stealing our technologies and they have some very powerful weapons. They're currently building up their nuclear arsenal. And I don't think that they want to use it because we have pretty much assured them of mutual destruction should they do it. But I know that they are questioning just how much of our military we're willing to use. Taiwan is going to be a great experiment, a great experiment. They will test the strength of the people that surround them. What they're underestimating is the powerful military being built by Japan. They will have to act fairly rapidly on Taiwan because Japan is building a very, very powerful and high tech military. And Japan who understands China and will come to the rescue of Taiwan. So I think that if we show great strength and can hold China off from attacking Taiwan for three to five years, it will never take place because of the strength and the growth of the militaries of Japan and the Philippines. So what do you think our other policies should be towards China? I think that we should start to break the American consumer into the idea that cheap Chinese goods are not good for our country in general. I think that we have to apply economic pressures. The Chinese economy is actually quite weak. 
they have huge populations to feed, and they have to provide jobs. The growing population of China is growing faster than China's ability to support them. Time is not in China's favor. So if you can hold them off for three to five years, weaken them economically, bring other players in the world to not purchase their goods, the Chinese economy will collapse. And as the economy collapses, so will the amount of funds that they can put into their military. How do you think we should handle Iran? I think we should put Iran on notice that if they do develop a nuclear weapon, that we will do what we need to do to stop it. I think they need to understand that the first step would be to take out the leadership of the country. There are many wonderful people in Iran, and there are areas of uprisings that we are not hearing about. If the leaders of Iran were assassinated, I think that it would, the country would be weakened to the point that it could be taken over by people that believe in democracy. Should we go to war to prevent them from getting nuclear weapons? Yes. Once they get nuclear weapons with their idiotic religious belief that death is a good thing, they will use them. I do not think that there's any other choice but to stop them. How much of a threat is North Korea? North Korea has is building their nuclear arsenal and they have the ability and their ability to deliver the nuclear weapons. There is much insanity in North Korea in the leadership. Somehow, you must convince China to control North Korea. It might be the, through the threat of economic sanctions. It might be in different ways. But China has got to be convinced that what nuclear what what North Korea is doing will not be sustainable. How much of a threat is North Korea? It is a growing threat and it has to be recognized. In the beginning people didn't think it was they they would ever be able to accomplish this. But they use all their funds, they starve their people and they put it into their military. What would you do to gain peace in the Middle East? <laughs> In the Middle East, Iran is also is always the key. They're the ones that support all of the militant militias. And I would do everything that I could to stop Iran. The current government has released billions of dollars to them that are being used to attack America. People have got to truly understand that Iran is a huge threat. Hey, uh, how do you see the alien disclosures affecting our the future of our military? The effects will be huge. The military needs to use alien technologies and to keep them secret from the rest of the world. 
Thank you so much, President Eisenhower. Uh, do you have a final message for us? Absolutely. I want to thank you for allowing me to come through. I want all the listeners to understand that the United States is the greatest country in the world and that its military is truly the strongest, needs to be supported, and the funds need to be available to keep the military and in the strongest in the future. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak. I always enjoy the ability to talk, and we don't get it much that opportunity very often over here. So goodbye, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thank all three of you. You gave us a lot of valuable information. Okay, next week we're going to talk with three different archangels, Raphael, Michael, and Azrael. They will speak about the best way to find happiness in current times. I know everyone out there needs to listen to that. That's <laughs> such a message. Now, General, January 16th will be the last edition of Spirit Speak Exploring the Afterlife on the Voice America Variety Network. Most of our shows will remain available on our YouTube channel, but they will be removed from Voice America archives. If you want to retain any of our shows, I suggest you download them on the Voice America site as soon as possible. We'll be starting a new show. It'll be entitled Hello Heaven, but it will be on our YouTube Live channel and Facebook Live page. So I hope you will take time to check it all out. My 10th book is available, Modern Messages of the Archangels. It's on my website, barrystrom.com, and on Amazon. I would like to thank you all for joining us on The Voice America each Tuesday morning. Please tell your friends about our show. The subject matter we deal with is important for everyone. If you'd like to see more of our channelings, as Barry said, we have 550 videos serving all aspects of the afterlife on our YouTube channel, which is in his name, Barry Strom. God bless you all. Yeah, thank you all for listening. I know that our show is, is very unique and it's a special niche, and we just simply have not been able to generate enough listeners to make it effective for us. So thank you, everyone that has been joining us. Please join us for the next two weeks on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Variety Network. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time.